Welcome to the Women in Leadership podcast. My name is Marianne Metz, and I'll be your host. As a female navigating the challenges that rise with leadership, I wanted to start a conversation with you as a woman in the workforce myself and offer a resource for leadership excellence. This podcast series is sponsored by Ascension Transformation Solutions, your business transformation technology partner. As you tune in to listen, you will meet Debbie Collard and Susan Ireland, our leadership experts who will be answering questions to offer you exclusive insights to help you thrive in your career. Stick around. Hi, and thank you for joining us today on the Women in Leadership podcast. I hope you're having a great day so far. Debbie, Susan, and I have some helpful tips on how to be a flexible and adaptable leader today. Thanks for chatting with me, ladies. Thanks, Marianne. Happy to be here. Hi. In today's episode, we are talking about navigating change as we are entering this new year and starting to make progress into our new year resolutions. I want to start today's episode out by sharing how we define change in a business setting as women in the workplace. There are three types of change, developmental change, transitional change, and transformational change. To start with, according to Dr. Achterman's principle founded in 1997, Developmental change is change that enhances or corrects existing aspects of an organization, often focusing on the improvement of a skill or process. Transitional change seeks to achieve a known desired state that is different from the existing one. And last of all, transformational change requires a shift in structure, processes, culture, and strategy while continuously learning, adapting, and improving. So Debbie, I'll start out with asking you today, how do you define change? Well, before I answer how I would define change, I will say that I looked it up in the dictionary (laughs) and it's defined there as to make something different. It sounds very simple, right? Just to make something different. But um, Dr. Ackerman's definition, I liked that because I, I think not all changes are equal the changes that we go through in our life. And my definition of change is um, constantly evolving state. I think the world's always moving and changing and it happens to us whether we want it to or not. And, And at any one time, you can have many different levels and types of changes happening all at the same time. So I guess my definition is that change, making things different, is constant and happening to us and around us all the time. Yeah. Susan, how would you define change? Well, I would like to emphasize what Debbie said. Change is constant. Stable isn't really a thing. And But when we have the mindset that change is hard or bad, we open ourselves up to disappointment, stress, and dissatisfaction. We also don't see opportunities that change is presenting us. My definition of change is the ebb and flow of life. We can't control everything, so it's best to focus on we can control or influence. Yes, that's so good. I love that. Regardless of how we feel about change, though, the reality is that change is going to happen, just like you said. Life will always throw you uncertainty, but what truly matters is how you respond to it as a leader. Susan, I'd like to ask you, How has your leadership been affected during the most difficult times of change? Well, I want to go back to talking about the different types of changes or challenges, because 
Um, I find these ideas helpful when you think about as a leader, how you're going to respond. So Ronald Heifus came up with these ideas about change um, that I have found helpful. And there are two different levels of change. The first level is what he called technical. These are changes that require us to respond with um, actions or ideas that are already in our toolboxes or in somebody's toolboxes. We know how to respond because we have experience or training or education. These types of changes or challenges aren't necessarily easy, but we know how to respond. And as a business leader, if I'm faced with a technical challenge, no matter how difficult, I can find the best way to address it by using a business best practice. For example, I can create a schedule and then I can execute it. I know how to do that. Um, what I've left out here, and I'm just putting it as a side note, that I'm not addressing the important um, ways to work with your team using your emotional intelligence or inspiration. Hey, Susan, a good example of a technical change, I would say, was when we had to take the Seasons program online because of COVID-19. Exactly. That was not easy. And... Debbie and I did not have all the tools in our toolbox, but they, they were known tools and somebody had them and we were able to get help and we we're online. That's a good, great example. Yeah, I love that example. Whenever we experience developmental or transitional change, we can often feel conflicted, anxious, and even afraid, which I'm sure you might have felt at the beginning of last year when COVID hit and you were uncertain about how seasons would look. Change can almost be as scary as a result of failure. And with that comes a high expectation of being successful and moving through a change as seamlessly as possible with the most effective results. Right. I want to talk about the other layer of change that Ronald Heifus talked about. And these are changes that you mentioned there that really throw us off our game and create havoc for us and our organizations and even make it necessary to reevaluate our values and choices. These changes are complex and ambiguous and unpredictable. Um, it's, you ever have that feeling that you are in a movie on Groundhog Day and you're addressing this problem and it keeps coming over and over again and you can't figure it out? It's, that's when we're addressing a, a change as a technical change so, um, and we keep using the same tools. I've heard this saying that I think of often, and that is um, when your tool is a hammer, everything you see is a nail. So you <laughs> want to use that hammer. So that right. is when you're using a, a technical solution or a tool on a change that really is new. And that's the adaptive change. It requires us to adapt our mindset and our beliefs and our ideas and even how we work together. Um, this type of change challenges me as a leader personally. And sometimes it's easy to deny when we're in that kind of a change. And the temptation, like I said before, is to use a tool that we have already used before. Um, so, but the way that I have addressed this uh, with teams or organizations that I have led is to include everybody in the change 
and to help them as a leader understand that we don't have the answers. And it was going to take us all to figure this out. And it requires patience and experiments and failures. But every time you fail, you're going to get closer to what a solution is. Because after all, this is something new. We don't know the, we don't know the results. This pandemic that we are facing here and all the collateral impacts it's having is an example of uh, an adaptive change. There are technical aspects of it. We can figure out how to work remotely, but how we relate to each other now is something different. Yeah, that's a great example. Debbie, I'd love to hear from you. What's an example from your career about a time when you encountered a large-scale change that seemed really daunting at the time, and how did you find a way to show leadership excellence through it? Well, I think for this example, I'm going to go way back. Susan gave a really good example of more current situation when you're leaders and you have teams and adapting to a change, but I want to go back even, like I said, way back. Mm-hmm. Um, So I was getting out of the U.S. Air Force and I needed to find a civilian job that I could do without a college degree, without any connections and making relatively the same amount of money that I was making because we had bills to pay. It was so scary. I can't even begin to tell you how scary it was. I had to figure out what I was qualified for. And then I had to convince people to hire me to do this thing that I maybe or maybe wasn't qualified for. So I ended up working multiple, I think it was four part-time jobs at the same time to make ends meet while I figured out a path forward because I couldn't just quit and not, and not work while I shopped around for something. Right. And failure wasn't something I could even begin to consider. So I'd gone from knowing my role how to do it well, getting awards for doing it well, leading hundreds of people to basically starting over at multiple entry-level positions. Wow. And on my own. So I took on roles I had no idea how to do. I had to learn a lot in a very short period of time. And I got to a low point of confidence and I said, you know, I'm going to re-enlist in the military because at a certain, there's a certain amount of time you can re-enlist and I could have gone back to what I was doing. And, um, I thought, no, I just need to keep going. And that's what I did. I put one foot in front of the other. And even though I was scared, I can't begin to tell you how scared and anxious. That's what got me through one foot in front of the other. Just keep going. After a while, then I was able to narrow down to just one full-time job (laughs) instead of four part-time jobs. And then I had one supplemental part-time job And then eventually just to the full-time job and give myself time to go back to college, finish my degree, and um, just make inroads to the rest of my career. So the things that I learned during this transition are incredible. If I hadn't been going through all that change, I might have missed out on some wonderful experiences, including having multiple bosses tell me that my ability to lead others came shining through and they saw great potential in me. And I guess that even though I was so scared, it didn't really show on the outside. And I was able to turn that into a very long career and ever-increasing positions of responsibility and leadership. 
So change, even when it's scary and horrible when we're going through it, can be a fantastic experience. Wow. That's an amazing story. It sounds like a lot of hard work, dedication, and consistency plays into, you know, finding success. And I love, I love that you shared your story. Thanks so much. Sometimes, Marianne, it's being scared, waking up in the morning and you're scared and you don't know what today's going to bring and you just do it anyway. Right. I think so. I'm still very early in my career, but um, I've faced a couple of failures in my time um, just from the beginning. And I think what I've learned the most is that even though you may not succeed the first time, just keep trying. And you continuing to try makes you succeed. Absolutely. I found 13 helpful tips on how to navigate change in the workplace by Angela Kimboris, a global consultant and entrepreneur, which I'd like to move into now and have both of you showcase an example from the top five tips that I believe are the most critical. I'll start with the least ranked tip and then work my way up to the most important. So if you're taking notes at home while listening, here's the first tip to write down. Tip number five, focus on what you can control. This is key to finding the right perspective on your situation at hand. Once you identify what you personally have control over, you can navigate through a specific agenda that is tangible to your leadership and you will find movement towards your end goal quicker. Susan, can you speak on an example of how you focus on what you can control in your work environment? Yes, I think this is a very helpful way to think about change. There are things we can control, like our attitude, our choices, and our actions. Then there are things we can't control, like the weather, the overall economy, other people's thoughts, beliefs, or actions, you know, or what our boss is actually doing. Um, If I spend my time worrying about what other people think, for example, I am wasting my time and worrying about something that I can't change, and I'm just causing myself stress. And then I have less time for creative thinking and focusing on what I can do about it. I'm in more of a victim mindset. There are things that I have influence over, however, and those things, and, and, um, but they aren't totally outside my control. As a leader, I do have influence with the people I work for through negotiation. Um, I can negotiate my salary or perhaps the goals of a project. And I also have influence over the people who work for me or next to me through developing trust and aligning goals, et cetera. The key to the situation is to focus on where I can make the most impact and spend my time there. This helps me feel more powerful and not a victim to my circumstances because my actions actually make a difference to the outcome. And that leads me right into my next tip, which is tip number four manage your state. So this starts with your own personal reflection. Ask yourself questions that lead you to a greater understanding of the situation in the internal environment, as well as the bigger situation around you in your external environment. By acknowledging what opportunities are at stake and what factors will influence your future decisions will allow you to reach your goal of managing your performance. Debbie, how have you managed your state of mind during your career And maybe a few steps, what steps were involved in your reflection process? 
You know, that's a great tip, managing your state. We all have choices, whether we can see them, whether we acknowledge them or not. And how we act in a given situation is a choice. How we respond to the situation is a choice. So pausing and starting with self-reflection can help a person be calm and listen to what their body and reactions are telling them. Now, I haven't always done this well my whole career. And sometimes I would be instantly stressed out over something that happened or something that somebody said or the way they said it. So the process that I've come to learn and I try to practice really well now is a few steps. One, pause, pause before reacting. Step two, take a deep breath and maybe even close my eyes. Three, scan my body for clues. Is my breathing elevated or is it fast? Am I nervous? Am I clenching my jaw? Is my tongue in the top of my mouth, et cetera? And then four, I tell myself to relax and I clear my mind and remind myself that I have choices, including how I respond. So that short pause usually helps me to be more curious and objective rather than reacting from a position of stress. And the quote that I love to use, and Susan knows this too, is this, busy is a choice, stress is a choice, joy is a choice, choose wisely. I'm definitely going to start applying all those steps. I'm really glad you ran through all those examples. (laughs) What a great model. I want to jump in here too, because I recently... Um, done an online program that I just want to throw in a plug for, and it's called Living with Change. And it's on um, the company is aora.org. So it's spelled A I O R A.org. And it's an, it's an online app kind of introspective journey that builds self-awareness, energy, and perspective as you navigate change in your work and life. And I did it and found it very helpful. So I highly recommend that. Now, tip number three is staying grounded in reality. As I said at the beginning of this episode, change is about being flexible and adaptable. And I feel like I just have to mention on the podcast, we were just recording this episode and everything was going smoothly when the whole system crashed and we had to switch gears and jump on a new platform. And it just shows how flexible and adaptable Debbie and Susan are as leaders to keep going on this episode today and move forward while we stay grounded in reality. Tip number two, don't let communication be an afterthought. It is important to communicate weekly and even daily with your team in order to have everyone on the same page during the entire transformation process. Debbie, how have you handled communication with a team in the past? Well, you know, communication is one of the most important things we can do as individuals and as leaders. We can't over-communicate the right things, but we can and often do under-communicate or miscommunicate. Communication requires planning to be effective. It's often been said that people need to hear a message up to seven different times before it truly sinks in. We're bombarded with communication in all sorts of forms today. So how do we ensure that the right messages get communicated to the team? 
One method I've used in the past and that we share with our participants in Seasons Leadership Program is an operating rhythm. This operating rhythm is aligned to our vision, mission, values of the organization. The operating rhythm defines those things, including meetings, that need to occur regularly. So, for example, an annual strategic planning process aligned with the organization's vision. And it plots out all of them by frequency. And it could be annually, semi-annually, quarterly, monthly, weekly, daily. You get the picture. And it's communicated throughout the team so that everybody knows what will be happening, when it will be happening, and who needs to be involved in it. Also, I believe that every single person on a team needs to know the organization's vision, mission, values, and strategies. Because if they don't know these things, they do not know how they fit into the organization or how that what they're doing contributes to the organization achieving these things. So right. if they can see those and know what parts of it they help influence by the work that they do, they can feel like they really have skin in the game uh, for the organization's success. So finally, as a leader, I believe regular communication with the team as a whole and with individuals on the team is important. So setting the expectations for an open environment, keeping communication lines open all the time, and walking the talk and being accessible, not just saying that you have an open door policy, but actually having an open door policy and being open to hearing bad news as well as good news <laughs> helps make communication purposeful rather than an afterthought. That leads me really nicely into our last tip, which is tip number one, the most important, trust your instincts. I love how the author puts it in her original article. She says, if a decision is made within the organization that you feel is not in alignment with your values, then you must decide whether you want to continue being a part of the organization in the future. Your personal values can be foundational to your work performance, and it can sometimes make or break you if it comes down to an unethical or moral decision. Susan, how do you trust your instincts when it comes to navigating change as a leader? Well, a good leader has good instincts when she is self-aware and tuned into her values and personal goals, like you said. In addition, a good leader is also always striving to know more about her industry and the environment and the group around her. We need to be competent in what we're responsible for doing. So relevant competence is essential to be respected, trusted, and an effective leader. So spending time on both aspects, self-reflection and developing my subject matter competency is imperative. And as this, pod, as this podcast topic demonstrates, this is a constant effort due to change because it's like you, you're, you're hitting a moving target. So how do I trust my instincts as a leader? I pay attention to how I'm feeling. And if something isn't right, I no longer ignore that feeling. Early in my career, if I got a feeling that I was uncomfortable with, I would divert to somebody with more experience and say, well, I can take a direction or they know more than I do. And I'm not talking about a moral or ethical choice. I'm just talking just about just running a business and, and there's lots of decisions that need, need to be made. 
But with more experience, I have learned that my instincts really are pretty good and I need to check things out before taking action. I wish there was a formula I could tell you, like ask so many people or read this book or listen to that podcast. But what I can say is keep checking your feelings out. Talk to people you respect and get their opinion. Ask your team or your clients or your community leaders. What I have found out is that I will get my answer. And sometimes I was right. And another direction is better. But sometimes my instinct might not be totally spot on. But by asking other people and by checking it out, I'm finding the right answer, which makes me a better leader overall. I was trying to think of an example to make this real, you know, because sometimes when we talk in generalities, it's really hard to like pinpoint it. And um, I was thinking about, um, I was working on a project where I was going to buy a product from somebody and it was kind of a new product and it was, I wasn't really sure, I, you know, it's not my area of expertise, but the person who was selling it to me was super nice. Um, but really giving me the hard sell. Um, Like, this is unique, it's special, nobody does it better than us. Um, But something inside me was just questioning, like, could this be really true? You know, like that feeling like too good to be true. And I wasn't an expert. So I didn't even know the right questions to ask. And uh, which is kind of a, a uncomfortable feeling and kind of it kind of can poke at my confidence. So I delayed and I asked others for their opinion, but I still, you know, wasn't getting a clear picture of it, but I kept checking and I just decided I was going to delay making that decision. It ended up to be the right decision, maybe not because the product was bad. I, I never really found out that answer, but the company went out of business. So, um, so maybe I was picking up on something, you know, like there was some kind of um, maybe desperation in the person. And, Mm -hmm. and so um, I was really glad that I had waited. That's a great example. And what a great way to end our discussion on the top five tips for navigating change. As we come to a close for today's episodes, do we each have one final piece of advice for our listeners who are learning how to be flexible and adaptable leaders while continuing to navigate change in the workplace environment? I'll jump in first. Um, My advice to myself and other leaders out there is this. Always remember that your point of view on a situation is never the only one. To help you be more flexible and adaptable leader, suspend judgment and stay curious about it. Ask questions and seek to understand the other person's point of view and see their perspectives. We're all individuals and we see things from different perspectives. And when we pause to consider all those different inputs, like Susan was talking about getting inputs from other people can help you fine tune your gut. It can help you come up with a better solution to whatever problem you may be facing. So staying curious also helps us in dealing with change, which we talked about is a constant thing. So the one piece of advice is this, stay curious. Susan, did you have any advice you wanted to leave? Mine is echoing Debbie's. Remember that the only constant in change is change. And we might not even need leaders if things didn't change, right? 
we could just go along with that with what we're doing. Uh, but you don't need to be perfect. Just curious and open to learning and adjusting. I love this quote by Andy Warhol when he said, they always say that time changes things, but you actually have to change them yourself. And this is especially encouraging to me because it helps me realize that change doesn't just happen by itself. It takes time, energy, and effort, and that can't happen unless I make the first move. Thank you both again for taking the time to share your stories and inspirational ideas with us today. Please don't forget to rate and review the podcast and tune in next week for our next episode where we will talk about how to be a motivational leader even when you're not feeling it. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining me today on the Women in Leadership podcast series. If you loved our podcast, we encourage you to sign up for the Seasons Leadership Coaching Program, a year-long leadership program for women designed to support your growth and success as a professional. The program was created to help motivate female leaders and further their self-awareness to live into their potential while making a difference. For more information or to register yourself for Seasons Leadership, visit their website at seasonsleadership.com and follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn to stay connected. See you next time.